Shrink Think Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Nathan, and we're both licensed professional counselors in Oregon, here to open up our lives and minds with you. We are your companion on the journey to grow your healthcare practice, yourself, and your relationships. To get you started, we've got a free email course on our website, shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course, with practical steps on overcoming your fear and anxiety. Thank you for joining us on the Shrink Think Podcast. Hey, welcome to the Shrink Think Podcast. We're excited to have you again with us today. We're going to be talking about, it's kind of a follow-up to a previous episode called So Your Kid Is In Therapy. We have gotten some feedback from you guys and we appreciate that. Um, and so the feedback we got was about, you know, that's a great episode. It's really helpful for if your kid is in therapy. It's kind of a broad overview and a number of therapists told us that it was just scratching the surface. Um, and so we'll try to get into that more deeply. Maybe in some future episodes, we'll unpack that some more. One of the things that we wanted to talk about today was that very topic, but more specifically, what happens if your kid's not just in therapy because you've got some adjustment issue, um, like you guys moved or like, you know, change schools or something and the kid has no friends or they're getting bullied or something like, okay, whatever you deal with that. And, and everything's great. Well, what happens if your child actually has an actual mental health diagnosis? It's not just like, oh, let's get you through this. You know, little little Timmy, get him out of the well. And like, he's <laughs> he's safe. Oh <laughs> he's safe. Word. We've dealt with the trauma. <laughs> he's never going near wells again. Oh <laughs> um, but instead, now your, your kid actually has a, a diagnosis of ADHD or maybe they have they've experienced some sort of a trauma. Um, somebody has an experience, you know, with a, a neighbor um, or uh, somebody and they get into a car accident where it's really traumatic. They get beat up or something. Um, I guess that's not really a great example because that would still be like a PTSD. But, um, anyway, all we're saying is like, what happens if they have an actual mental health diagnosis? And now you're moving from, we just basically treat this issue. Like it's a single incident or this one thing happened and we're done. We're, we're out of therapy, but like, you know, like with adults, if you have bipolar disorder, if you have schizophrenia, if you have a personality disorder, something like that, like you don't just like, oh, I treated that. I went to therapy. I got a Band-Aid for it and now we're good. It's like it probably needs some intensive therapy, maybe some medication. People around you have to really understand what your diagnosis is and adjust to you. And so we want to look at that because that's a common thing that I think a lot of people don't really understand the gravity of the nature of, and there's probably not a lot of resources out there that are, that are easy to find in terms of from a therapist perspective. If I'm a parent, what, like, what do we do? How do we transition? How do we adjust our expectations? So Nathan, get us kicked off with your thoughts on the subject. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, Aaron and I were talking about this the, in just a few minutes ago before we got on where, where I'm coming from on this is, um, so the parents that have children that's, that struggle with mental health disorders are typically the best resources known to mankind. And so some of you out there are listening to our last one going like, okay, sweet, let's figure this out. I want to learn everything I can. And then some of those parents are like, um, but you didn't really say much for like the longer term stuff. I'm like, yeah, that's actually true. And then, of course, Aaron was saying just a moment ago, the therapists were talking about that too. You know, this is a huge subject. And for those of you out there that don't have children that are struggling with, with an actual mental health disorder, and, and what I mean by that actual, so, so to speak, 
is something that is going to be prolonged that's that needs to be learned how to manage to be managed over time like ADHD it, it used to be vi- like widely overdiagnosed um and then it got to where it was like probably somewhat underdiagnosed and now it's back to I don't know that I'd say overdiagnosed but I know that as a parent you're if you've heard that your kid has ADD you're probably thinking like oh yeah everybody has ADD or whatever but there are behavior issues that come with that particular diagnosis that are they're they're really hard and I would say what the culture out there and I I am getting specific with ADD right now the culture out there around mental health diagnoses for children um, parents, you guys typically wait way too long to, to deal with these issues. And it's because you have the greatest of intentions ever of making sure that you don't stigmatize your child and that you, you don't get your kid on medication way too soon and mess his brain up or her brain up. And, and I totally understand that. Um, but then what you're doing is you, there's chaos in the family. If you take that disorder, you can also I can also lay right on top of that because I'm using kind of ADD as an example because it's more known, but bipolar and, and combination combinations of disorder, for example, like you have a kid that's really high level, meaning what I mean by that is not experiencing very many symptoms of like autism, right? They, they understand the world pretty well, but man, they have some, some behavior issues that really draw a lot of attention and you know that, well, we can't use medication. And by the way, they also seem to have some anxiety or OCD type of thing, or some even kind of uh, what's called ADHD fits into the land of disorder that's called executive functioning disorder. So what that means is it's the part of how we execute life, essentially, like how we do it, how we think it. And so you often do get combinations of issues like anxiety OCD, ADHD, and autistic spectrum related stuff. Honestly, I've noticed it, it comes together quite a bit. Like you'll have, because in the brain, all those things kind of line up um, often. It doesn't mean they're going to, but it, it happens. And so a lot of you parents struggle because you have combinations of things happening. And then the services out there to get help it's like everybody's overloaded on some of these situations because they are common. And then you're told like, Oh, well we can get you in in another five months. And then you're trying to navigate it with teachers and say like, I think my kid needs some extra help here. Can we get an evaluation? And then you don't want to say that because you don't want to stigmatize your kid, but it's got so I was going to say nutty, but like it's because that's how I <laughs> weird words. And I'm like trying not to demean the anything. The clinical term is it's gotten nutty around here. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, but so the struggle is real. And, and one of the other things, part of the, part of wanting to talk about this is to, is to normalize it a little bit, because if you're a parent that doesn't have this going on um, and you know uh, an, another family that does, you know, you probably don't understand like the, what they go through on a regular basis. Yeah. And if you are that other family, then you are probably well aware that you're going through something that it seems like nobody else really understands. Like you talk about these other families or these other parents and they're like, oh, well, we do this with our kid. Or have you tried that? And you're like, yeah, we tried all of that. And none of that works. It's like every everything that should work, that's, you know, like typical or common that most people are doing does not work for your child because they actually have this other issue going on 
that needs some specialized kind of care. So if you're that person, it's also like, where do I go? And and it, maybe it's if you're a parent, you're like, what's wrong with me? What what are we doing differently? Or what did we do? Or what are we not able to do for our child that's different? Instead of like, hey, actually, my child, what if my child actually has an issue going on that I don't really want to admit because I don't want to I don't want to see my child in a pathologized kind of a way like there's something wrong with them, but actually something may be wrong with them. That has it's nobody's fault. It's just a it's just a a biological genetic sort of a thing that's going on Um, that actually if you can if you can address and bring them in and admit that this is going on, it actually can make things a lot better for everybody. It'll (laughs) Tone down the nuttiness, I guess, so to speak, in the home. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Please do not. Fewer nuts. <laughs> do not do not eviscerate me on this on some writing. Um, yeah, so I'm thinking of I, my heart goes out to the parents that are because what's happening. So all parents get stressed out. Right. But if you have a kiddo that has mental health disorder or dis, uh, issues that are long term, when you get stressed out, your kid is now way worse than the kid next door. And you know it. And you don't even have permission really to be stressed out. You don't have permission to be overwhelmed because every every little thing that would not be that big of a deal of like some like parenting mistake is now like this magnanimous exponential screw up, which you look at and go, good grief. Like, can I just get a little bit of grace? You know, like I, I have I, everybody gets tired now and then. And then you look over your spouse or and your partner like they do something that's like really you know that our kid like struggles with this. Why do you keep doing this? Your friends are saying things like, have you tried like Aaron was saying earlier? Do you think you maybe should like, and you're like, are you freaking serious? Why don't we just blank? It works for us. I'm like, well, it doesn't work for us. I give my children timeouts and they're just fine. (laughs) They send themselves a timeout. (laughs) Yeah, That's probably what it feels like. It's like what you think you're hearing other people say. I just look at my child and they're like, oh, I'm sorry, dad. (laughs) You, You look at your child and they're like, I don't know, like running around, you know, bouncing off the wall or whatever. It's like you just do your best to stay calm and they just react to whatever. It's like, man, I didn't even do anything. Yeah. Or you what happened? The the one that I think sticks out for me is um, somebody may be saying to you, man, like another parent, a friend of yours going like, man, I can't believe it. My kid told me that they hate me yesterday. And you're like. I heard that like four times last week, <laughs> last night, <laughs> right. putting my kid to bed. That's like a normal part of the bedtime routine. <laughs> right. So um, it, we want you to know a couple things. One, this stuff is out there probably more than you think. If if you're a person that is going like, well, I don't know, my kid doesn't really have that kind of thing. I don't know if this applies to me. It does because these folks are in your community. And the biggest need that these folks have is respite. They don't have anybody like these families, uh, the partners can't go on dates. They can't leave their kid. They don't, they feel guilty. Like they don't want to tell their friends like, well, okay, this is what could happen, mm-hmm. you know? So I, and, and they'd sit there and worry. So just, they can't leave. Mm-hmm. So babysitters, another thing and vacations, you know, I've, I've had families where they're like, wait, we, it's just so difficult to go on vacation because you know, there's this issue and it's like, I'd rather just kind of be in, at home where everything's kind of controlled here. And I mean, it's not necessarily great, but at least it's it's familiar to the child. And so going on vacation is actually more stressful because we don't have some of the things that we have or we can't hire a babysitter because who wants to do that to another human being, you know, <laughs> or or it's difficult to get a, a babysitter um, for your child because it takes some specialized kind of understanding or training or care 
of how to deal with some of these specific issues. Um, or it makes things worse, right? Right, right. Like you come home as a, when you're dating, like you go on a date, you come back and this babysitter or whatever has given your kid sugar or whatever. The kid got into it because of the fact that the babysitter just you've told them, don't make sure they don't eat, blah, blah. And then the kid's good. Mm-hmm. You know how good they are. They figured it out when the babysitter wasn't looking, took it anyway. Babysitter's like, I don't know what happened. Or and they told the babysitter, this one's okay. This over here is okay. <laughs> oh, babysitter's like, oh, okay. I mean, your mom didn't say anything about that. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then you're not, you come home from this nice night and the rest of your night is over. Mm-hmm. Like, you're n- no sleepy. <laughs> or you get the text that's like, come home early. <laughs> <laughs> There's a problem. Right. Houston, we have a problem. I want to encourage the community out there, the folks of listening, that if you happen to know somebody that you think, man, I, I bet that they actually do probably don't tell me everything. Mm-hmm. Maybe reach out to them. And, and on the other side, don't don't expect that they're just going to open up and say, these are all what's going on. We're not we're not saying that. But the other side of it, too, is for you that are struggling with with your average everyday life. There's a couple of encouragements. One these little kids get older, you know, <laughs> they do grow up. And I know when I said that, as soon as I said that, you were like, yeah, to, into what are they ever, le- they're never going to leave. They're going to be with me until they're 40, you know, cause I, cause I don't, I worry about them being okay. And I know that your heart's even sad as you're probably hearing this. And the reality is, is there are actually supports out there. It is okay to try to figure out um, different respite scenarios for what's going on. We are learning a lot every day, like with mental health related situations in Oregon, the Oregon Health Sciences University, OHSU is what it's called for us here. Like they do uh, quite, they're doing research right now, heavy research on ADHD and autism. So getting to be a part of those types of groups. The other thing is, is if you're noticing that your kid does have, and this is maybe you, maybe you are, there's a lot going on. You're getting feedback from other parents that like, you know, and how this feedback works is that they just don't want to hang out with you. Like, I don't know why nobody ever wants to go like in, into some kind of a group setting. They just never call us. And your kid honestly does have some behavior issues that you've noticed, but the other families kind of just don't want to deal with the chaos. And you're, and honestly, maybe you haven't been honest with yourself, uh, but you don't, maybe it's a behavior issue that you you don't want to, again, like we started started in the beginning, stigmatize or bring medication to because you know what you're going to hear. They're just going to think my kid has ADD. It's like, well, there actually are psychometrics, so tests that can be given that actually help to figure out with a high degree of probability that like, yes, your kid does. And also those tests rule those things out. And I know I'm making this a lot about ADD, but it's just, it's probably the higher um, population out there that actually has for kids that have disorders that are difficult to deal with. And I think to be honest with you, this is a little bit of an aside, but I think someday we're going to find out there's probably more bipolar going on than we'd like to admit and probably some combinations. And that stuff is, is just really, really hard. But my encouragement to you would be, Hey, look, take your kid in to get evaluated. You will not just automatically get told that they have this. There are criteria so you can see it may, maybe it is some simple parenting type of structural things that you have to do to shift things around. But there's also no reason to keep going this uh, trajectory. Yeah, yeah, I like that. See, if you're talking about ADD or ADHD, for example, it's sometimes it's it's strategies for organizing things or strategies for making a plan for how you're going to deal with a task or a responsibility 
that kids just might need a different strategy for that. And, and so that can work. So, but if you don't know that your kid has something like ADHD, then you might be giving them the sort of typical strategies that most people respond to as opposed to a different kind of a strategy that somebody with ADHD would need in order to be able to function well. So, um, just wanted to piggyback off of what you said about that. Yeah. The other thing too, that I want to bring in, cause I don't, I, I don't want us to think in terms of over-focusing on the whole ADHD thing. I want to put a couple more out there. They're super common, which would be oppositional defiant disorder, conduct disorder, that kind of thing. And those are ones in particular that stigmatize kids in the classroom big time and quickly. But I want you to know that one of the passions of child therapists that you hear all the time is they do not want to stigmatize these kids. I mean, one of my child therapists who I, I, I really respect, I really respect all my clinicians, but she was commenting. She's like, this family almost wants this diagnosis. And the reason why is because sometimes as a family out there, you are, you want validation for what it is that you're seeing. You're like, my goodness, my parenting cannot be this bad. It has to be my kid's fault. But at the same time, you don't want to say that either. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's something to be said, I guess, a couple pieces of encouragement on my side to you folks listening out there on the one side of if this is your kid, then, um, yeah, accepting that this is a diagnosis and then being able to, to talk about it as though it's just a fact. You don't have to dance around it. You don't have to minimize it. You don't have to blow it up any bigger than what it is. If it's just a fact, yeah, then my kid has this and this is the nature of the issue. And here's what we have to do about it. There you go. It's kind of like if somebody has diabetes, if somebody has diabetes then you're like, yeah, my kid has diabetes and we have to do these things. And at these times we we do that and here's how it works. And if you don't, here's what happens for the kid. And and here's how we respond to that. And everyone's kind of like, oh, yeah, oh, that makes sense. I mean, it's it's different, but we know what diabetes is and it just happens and, you know, we deal with it or whatever. So in the same way. I guess accepting the diagnosis and then and then talking about it with people as sort of a fact. And it doesn't mean you you introduce yourself that way, like, hi, my name is Aaron and my child is this and this is their diagnosis. And here's what we do about it. Like, that's a little bit of like an overshare. But if you're meeting other parents and you're talking about your kids or whatever, you can say, yeah, this is my kid. You know, little Johnny over here, little Sally over there. You know, she's got this issue and here's what it is. Here's what it means. And then on the other side, I guess the encouragement is if you know somebody who has a child like that, ask questions instead of trying to give advice or fix it or tell them what you do, those kinds of things. Ask them questions like, what's that like for you? Um, it, has that been difficult or what's the hardest part of that for you? Or what have you tried? Um, what are all the things that you've done? And then offer some really just compassion of like, wow, you've really been through a lot or that must be exhausting or why wow, you really are doing the best you can to try to, to, or you've been doing a lot to try to deal with this um, as opposed to trying to fix it or solve it or kind of send the message that they're deficient or they haven't tried things that they already really actually have tried. Yeah. I like that Aaron a lot. And one of the things I would add to that is the unsolicited advice. If you're a person that kind of does that and you kind of know it, if you do that to these parents, they will just tune out. It's in, it's instantaneous because they've already done everything. I like that idea of just being curious. I think we'd be remiss to not, as we're closing it up, to speak a little bit on behalf of the child therapists out there that are working with this. They are naturally really good advocates for your kids. They are passionate about children. They do not want your child to be diagnosed. 
they're not going to try to fight for that, to be honest. They will try to help you with like figuring out how to work with funding, for example. That's why sometimes these autism diagnoses happen the way that they do so that you can get help in the school system and that kind of thing. But they are not trying to do that. Here's the other thing, too. They understand how hard things are. And sometimes they're like, I don't have any ideas for you, like for the parenting thing. I, I don't want to mean to say that it's like, you know, you're you're going to be helpless when you go in there and get help. But they really are focused on your child. And you may need to actually focus on parenting type of groups that help you to parent through that rather than be asking, what should I do? Because I know you want to do that. But there's complexities in parenting, as you've already found out. And the child therapist is really focused on your child and they can give you some advice on what definitely will not work. But I just wanted to put it out there that these folks really care and love what they do. And they do kind of love your kid, actually. And from a therapist standpoint, they're kind of the most passionate folks. And as I joke around, they're like gigantic children. <laughs> but anyway, we hope that you have a great day and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to our show. Don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts to leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also visit our website at www.shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course and sign up for our free email course, Nine Ways to Overcome Fear and Self-Doubt. And you'll get nine weeks worth of customized, practical strategies you can use to get past the fear that's holding you back in your life. Thanks again for listening.